Church, and uh, welcome back for a not-so-long uh, intermission that we have between our services today, uh, but it's one more normal thing. We're getting back on the calendar as we head toward the new year, and I do apologize for not having a lunch today. We decided with all that we have going on next week, didn't want to overwork everyone getting a meal together. We have a lot of that going on as well, so we said, you know what, we can at least have our singing gathered together at 2 o'clock, and then uh, let all of you go trick-or-treating, right? And that's what you want to do, get out of here and go trick-or-treating. I did get a text from someone a moment ago. I'll not tell you who it was. It says, we have so many specials uh, to do, and then a short message, and then a nap. And uh, that will be the game plan, but if you cheat and you nap during the message, it will not be a short message, okay? So you can nullify the shortness of the message by taking the nap early. So you get the nap before or after. It's up to you. Philippians chapter number two. Let's go ahead and be turning there. Philippians chapter number two. Uh, I do appreciate you being here, coming this afternoon. I know it's tough after eating to get a little bit of a nap in, um, but I'll not keep you any longer. The Lord would have us to. But my wife told me years ago, something I've never forgotten, you can blame her for my long-winded preaching. She said one time, she said, uh, the people that want to be there are going to be there. And I believe you're here because you want to be here. I know you're not here to hear me. You're here to hear from the Lord, and the Lord will speak to you. If you'll uh, be attentive, and I'll speak fast if you'll listen fast. But I do want to be an encouragement to you this afternoon as we head toward the final week of uh, preparation before the week of renewal. I hope that you've been allowing the Lord to work in your heart, not just when you're here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I hope you've allowed the Lord to work in your heart throughout the week, uh, in your personal devotions, your private time with Him in prayer and in the Word, allowing Him to prepare your heart for revival. And I can't stress that enough. You do have to allow your heart to be prepared for that. It's not just going to happen naturally. And you say, you know what, maybe by Wednesday night, after the collective uh, body comes together for the last time on Wednesday night, maybe by Wednesday night I'll have revival. No, you could have it before then. You could have it on Monday night if you're just willing to prepare ahead of time. And so I pray you're allowing the Lord to do that. And the message tonight, I hope, will help us do that even more. Philippians chapter number two, look at verse number one, remain seated. Unless you feel like you're going to fall asleep, then you're welcome to stand. Philippians chapter two, verse one, if there be any, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The thought continues, verse number 6. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Let's stop there and pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be back for a special service where we get to sing a little extra praises to your name and uh, glory to your name for all that you've done for us and all that you mean to us. Uh, Father, I pray you bless our time together this afternoon. You speak to us through your word. Help us, Father, to receive it, and Lord, I pray we'd be changed by it. I just pray that we would never have another service again, that we would leave without being changed, and I, I pray that we'll allow you to do that through your word today, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians is one of my favorite books of the Bible, uh, because as you read through the book of Philippians, it becomes very evident uh, of the love that the Apostle Paul had for these people. 
Uh, I love reading behind and getting to know pastors who love their people. Uh, because I believe if you're going to be a good shepherd, you need to love the sheep. Amen. You can't drive them around and beat them with sticks all the time. So it's important that we love uh, those that we're leading. Uh, but you can see the Apostle Paul's love reflected for his people in the fact that he loved them enough not to leave them alone. Uh, that's the love that our Father had for us. We were lost, dead in our trespasses and sins, and He loved us so much that He didn't leave us alone, and He sent His only begotten Son that we could be saved. And so we see the Apostle Paul as he's writing here to this church at Philippi, they love very much, that he's encouraging them by loving them enough not to leave them as is. Uh, now, I know sometimes we think, you know what, it's love if I don't discipline my children. You know, I just let them do what they want and have what they want. But if we truly love our children, we're going to discipline our children. Why? Because we want them to reach the full potential of all that God has planned for them. The Apostle Paul sees that in this church. He desires they would become all that God would have them to become. And so he's encouraging them to reach their full potential by giving them this message in chapter number two. Now, what's interesting is he does it by giving them examples. Uh, I don't know these people personally, to be honest with you, but I like the fact that he's giving them examples to follow in order to become what they need to become because that's how I learn. Now, I try to read and I try to study, but the best way to learn something in, in my neck of the woods is to watch somebody uh, who's lived it, who's done it before, and learn from their example. Now, that's what the Apostle Paul is doing here, and basically here's the message this afternoon. He's giving them examples to encourage their efforts. And this afternoon, I want to give you three quick examples that are going to encourage our efforts as a church body. Now, he's not just giving them individual examples. This is not just something to grow them as a Christian individual. This is something to grow them as a collective body of Christ. So this afternoon, I believe as the body of Central Baptist Church, there's a lot that we can learn and put forward here in Philippians chapter 2. So let's look at the first one, if we could. Verse 1, the Bible says, If there be, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ... If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. We're going to stop right there in verse number one. What he's showing them, if you will, is an example, number one, of fellowship. There are many benefits and blessings that come to us other than salvation simply because we have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I like benefits, don't you? Uh, I like it when I have a credit card and I get something back. You know, It's not a whole lot back, but it's nice to have a benefit. Or, or maybe you go to a restaurant and you get a, a free appetizer because you have a benefit that comes with that. Now, folks, I think we rarely scratch the surface of all the benefits and blessings that come along with the fact that we have fellowship with Christ. Now, now, there's three of them mentioned specifically in verse number one as he shows us the example of fellowship that we should have. Notice what it is. The Bible says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ. Now, the first thing he's showing us here is the consolation that we have because of Christ. Now, stick with me because we're going to flip the tables on point number two. What he's showing us is, I know what consolation looks like because I know Christ. Because I have a personal relationship with Christ, and Christ has been that consolation to me, I now understand what full consolation is. That word is also comfort in the Bible. We have comfort because of Christ. Now, years ago, I was preaching out of John 14 and discovered something that I never knew. In John 14, when the Bible says, I'll not leave you comfortless, you look up that word comfortless, and it means orphaned. 
He says that when I ascend to my Father, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to leave the Spirit of God. I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm going to make sure that you have someone, okay? Now, Paul is saying, if there therefore be any consolation in Christ, if you're saved this afternoon, you have consolation through Christ. You know what that comfort is. Now, what I love about this verse, oftentimes we think about consolation as grief, when someone is grieving, we console them, and obviously that's a very, uh, very apt illustration. Uh, when you look it up, it means to draw near with embrace. To draw near with an embrace. Now, I don't know about you, that sounds like a hug to me, all right? Sounds like a hug. Who doesn't like a hug? I think there's something wrong with you. I think you're probably lost as a goose if you don't like a hug. A hug just makes you better. I don't know if it's been proven medically, but I just think a hug will change your day. The last few days, I haven't been feeling very well. Just kind of some, uh, some weather-related stuff going on in my throat and my head, just not feeling real well with that. And uh, over the course of the last few days, I got hugs from some of my favorite people. My wife's giving me hugs. My daughter snuggled up beside me on the couch last night and gave me a hug. This morning at church, my mom gave me a hug. And man, it just made me feel so good. You know what that is? That's consolation. Someone is consoling you. Now, stick with me. I want to show you why this is important here in just a second. God is saying, because now you have somebody, all right? You're not orphaned. You have consolation through Christ, and you know what that's like, and he's going to put it to work here in just a few minutes. Several years ago, I told you I've been to Africa, and while we were in Africa, we went to several orphanages. And in those orphanages were dozens and dozens of children who did not have anybody, uh, a lot of their parents had been blown up through landmines, through all the wars, the civil wars they have there. Uh, several, I mean, a lot of the kids that were there's parents had died uh, of AIDS, and they didn't have anybody in the whole wide world. What a blessing it was to go to them and provide some consolation, say, hey, you know what? You may not have a family, but you've got someone that loves you. That's showing consolation. Now, the reason that the example of consolation is being given, because now that we know it, God wants us to show it, okay? Here's what he's saying. If there be any consolation, look down to verse number two, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. He's saying now that you know consolation through Christ, you show consolation through Christ. Now, folks, if there's anything a body of believers ought to be able to show one another, it ought to be consolation. We as the people of God, this church, this local body of believers, we should be a place that when you walk in the doors, you feel like I'm amongst my people. Now you say, well, you know what? There's some weirdos in here. Do you know if Jesus was totally honest, he'd probably call you a weirdo, and yet he was willing to come and die to draw us close to him. So he says in verse number one, I'm giving you an example, all right? If there be any consolation in Christ, verse number two, fulfill ye my joy and be like-minded. Now, folks, he's giving us an example of the fellowship we have in Christ to show us the fellowship we should have with one another. Keep reading in verse one. So we see the Bible says we have consolation. And then it says, if any comfort, if any comfort. Do you know because of Christ, I know what comfort is. I know what it means to be comforted. Christ came to me and gave me consolation, and he gave me comfort. Now, folks, can I tell you, the comfort of love that I receive from Christ is to be the example of the comfort of love that I exhibit to others. He says in verse 1, if you know that, if there's consolation in Christ and comfort of love, fulfill you, my joy, that you be like-minded. Interesting factoid here. That word love is agape. 
unconditional. He says, because you know the consolation of Christ and you know the comfort of his love, verse number two, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. What does that mean? Because I know what consolation is. And because I know what comfort of love is, I'm supposed to be like-minded to who? To one another. Now, folks, if God could love me unconditionally, we should be able to love one another unconditionally. Who's Paul speaking to in Philippians? He's speaking to the church at Philippi. Now, I know a lot of people tonight that are looking for true love. You may, not, you may be one of those people. You let me know, and I'll try to find you somebody. I've never been a good matchmaker, but I'll do my best. A lot of people are looking for true love, and I know a lot of people that are running from true love. But you know, the truest of love is the love that our Father had for us. It was an unconditional love. Romans 5 eight, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, what's the importance of this? He's showing us an example to encourage us in our efforts as a church Because we know consolation of Christ, we should show consolation through Christ. And because we know the comfort of his love, we're to show the comfort of his love. Folks, the greatest love is that agape, unconditional love. And if God could love me that way, there's not a person in this room tonight that I can't love that way either. Why? Because I have an example. Look down, verse 1. The Bible says the comfort of love. And then it says, if any fellowship of the Spirit. If any fellowship of the Spirit. Now, I love this because they were all easy to alliterate. When you look down through here, we see the comfort of love, uh, the comfort of love that he has here, and then we see the communion of the Spirit. So we have consolation, we have comfort, and then we have communion. Aren't you thankful for the communion that we have with God now? Through the Holy Spirit of God, there's nothing more wonderful to me than to have a rough day in the office and to go home and allow the Holy Spirit to commune when you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. When you, feel, you know, sometimes when people don't smile, it makes it hard to preach. Sometimes when people are asleep, it makes it hard to preach. Really, it does. I mean, is it that bad? I mean, good grief. Come on, folks. Well, you go home feeling like, well, that fell flat. You know, nobody's listening to that. Half the people came back for the 2 o'clock service, and boy, you just go home, and you're like, hmm, that didn't go well. Boy, the Holy Spirit communes with you. Sometimes he uses my wife. She says, well, honey, did you preach what God told you to preach? I'm like, shut up. I don't want to hear that right now. Can't you tell? I'm throwing a pity party. Let me have a pity party. But that communion I have, oh, it's so sweet with the Spirit. Now, folks, the Bible says because of Christ, we have consolation, we have comfort, we have communion. Look on down the last part of verse 1. Even any bowels of mercies, there's compassion. Because of Christ, I know all of those things. And here's what he says. If you know those things, show those things. If you know the consolation through Christ, the comfort of his love, if you know that, if you know his compassion, if you know that communion, that's what you're supposed to have within a church. You know it, now it's important for us to go and show it. But wait a minute, what's the hardest part of an example? Well, that's the second thing. We have the example of fellowship, then we have the example to follow, all right? We've gotta be willing to follow that. Look at what he says down here in verse number five. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He says, look, the example that we're following in our consolation, our comfort, our communion, listen, the example that we're following in our compassion, that's Christ. Now, folks, if you get off of your pattern, that's when you get in trouble. You ever been cutting something? You know, have a pattern, you kind of laid it there, and you marked it, and you cut it, and you marked it, and you cut it. Then all of a sudden, you lose your pattern in the pile of the boards you're cutting. Well, then it gets out of hand real bad. Next thing you know, you got some this long, some this long. What happened? You got off your pattern. 
all right? We've got to understand that God gave us an example. He showed it to us through Christ, and he wants us to show it through Christ, but we've got to keep our eyes on our example. We've got to make sure that we're following that. Notice what he says in verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, the Bible says, and one mind. Being of one mind. Now, folks, he's speaking to a church. He says, you know consolation, I want you to show consolation. You know compassion, show compassion. Listen, you know what that communion's like, well, show that communion. Folks, if we don't get this tonight, we as a church are not going to fulfill the will of God in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Why? Because if we can't have our act together, guess what? We can't expect them to have their act together. Second Corinthians chapter, or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible says we're members of one body. I want to put two verses together that don't normally go together. I want you to hear me out. The Bible says we're members of one body. The book of Ephesians says in chapter 5, verse 29, that no man ever yet hated his own flesh. All right? Now, understand, we're members of one body here at Central Baptist Church. Now, what are we praying for next week? It's a week of renewal. But God's got to work within this body. Now, Ephesians 5 says, no man has yet hated his own body. Now, look, there's parts of my body at times I hate. I've got a big toe on my left foot, and it's starting to hurt a little bit. It starts to pop. I told the kids in Sunday school this morning, after I turned 40, I can hear my joints now. I knew they were there, but now I can hear them. And boy, that toe, every once in a while, it gets stuck. Does your toe ever get stuck? And that toe will get stuck, and I have to whip it. Finally, it'll pop, and it hurts. And when it pops, it hurts so bad. But you know what? As bad as it hurts, I don't go cut it off. I'm not going to do that. I kind of like my big toe. It's ugly, but I kind of like it. It helps me keep my balance. Sometimes I have a headache, but you know what? I'm not going to get rid of my head. You see where we're going? No man ever yet hated his own body. The Bible says we're one body. Now look, there's times that we're going to hurt one another. It's just inevitable. You know why? Because we're human. We're human. There are times I hurt my wife's feelings. Every once in a while, she might hurt my feelings. It's rare, but it happens. Why? We're human beings. We're prone to that. But if we understood that we're one body and we follow the example of Christ, do you know I hurt Christ and he still showed me an example of communion? I hurt Christ. He still showed me the example of compassion. And when I hurt Christ, he still showed me the example of consolation. And as a body, if we're going to fully function the way that God left us here to function, we've got to follow the example of Christ. As soon as you get off your pattern, you know what you're going to do? Rather than walk in the spirit, you're going to react in the flesh. You step on my foot, I want to step on your foot. Better yet, you step on my foot, I want to punch you in the nose. Just being honest, that's a fleshly reaction. And you got to decide, do I want to follow my pattern or do I want to walk in the flesh? Well, it depends. How much do you like your own body? If we love our church, no man ever yet hated his own body. So what do we do? We have that Christ-like love. He says, you know the consolation, you know the comfort, you know the communion, you know the compassion. Now I want you to fulfill it having, look at verse 2, the same mind, the same love being of one accord and of one mind. Of one mind. Now, how do we do that? Follow the pattern. Follow the pattern. The pattern's Christ. So the first thing he shows them, he shows them an example of fellowship. Through Christ, we have consolation, comfort, communion, and compassion. He says, okay, that example is one to follow. And finally, yes, and I said finally. So you can't believe your ears. That's what you get for coming back. I preach short, okay? Look at verse 3. 
he ends on a sour note. He ends on a sour note. Now, he gives them something negative. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than themselves. I don't know about you. I like positive reinforcement. I like it when my wife claps when I do take the garbage out. She didn't put a post up yet about it. One day she's going to put a post up. I'm so proud of my husband taking out the garbage. I like positive reinforcement, but I hate to tell you, positive reinforcement alone is, is not going to get the job done. Sometimes you need something to fear, all right? Sometimes you need something to fear. You get close to a power line, you start seeing these signs of these lightning bolts frying people. You know what that is? That's not positive reinforcement. They're giving you something to fear. But if you don't follow what you're supposed to follow, something bad is going to happen. So he gives them an example of fellowship. He gives them an example to follow. As you may have guessed, the third thing he gives them is an example to fear. He gives them an example to fear. Now, why is he doing this? He loves this church so much. He loves these people. He says, look, keep your eyes on Christ. If you understand the consolation, the comfort, the communion, and the compassion of Christ, you've received it. Now that you know it, go show it. But he shows them what happens if they don't follow. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. You see, if we choose not to follow the pattern, that's the default. That's the default. The default is what you're going to go to if you choose not to follow the right example. Things will be done through strife and vainglory. Ephesians 4.27, we know it well. The Bible says, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. What I love is the context of that verse. If you'll go up one verse, Ephesians 4.26, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Then he says, neither give place to the devil. You see what he's saying? He says, look, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. He says, if you don't follow 26, if you don't follow that one, the default is going to be you're going to give place to the devil. And oftentimes in the church, we know his compassion. We know his consolation. We know his comfort. But we choose not to go that route. Then we give place to the devil. And what happened? We do things through strife and vainglory. Now, here's what's interesting. If you're busy showing consolation, comfort, compassion, and communion, it's going to be hard for strife to exist. You think about that. If you're busy trying to follow the example of Christ... To show consolation, if you know it, he says show it. And you're showing consolation, and you want to have communion, and you're showing compassion. If you're busy doing those things, it's going to be hard for strife to exist. Why? Because compassion is about someone else. It's not about you. What does it say? The Bible says, verse number three, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. He's saying, look, if you're all about others... And that's what he said in verse number two. The Bible says, you be like-minded. Verse number three, he says, be careful of that strife of vainglory to be of one mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. When you've got your eyes on others, it's hard to do anything through strife or vainglory. It is. If I'm looking out for you, I looked up the definition of the word compassion. I love looking at different dictionaries because sometimes the wordage is, uh, uh, is, uh, is encouraging. It said strength in the struggle. You find somebody who's going through a struggle, and you go to them and you start strengthening them in their struggle, compassion. I'm going to go strengthen you in your struggle. It, boy, it's kind of hard to do anything through strife or vainglory when you're trying to help somebody who's going through a struggle. But what happens is we get off the pattern. 
We forget about our consolation that we're supposed to show, our comfort, our communion, and our compassion. And the next thing you know, and folks, can I tell you, I'm thankful we don't have a church like this, but we should, be, we should fear becoming like that. I know a lot of churches that are. I've preached at churches I could not wait to get out of. I'm being honest. I might forget the paycheck. I just want to go home. Let me go, please. Do you, don't make me come back for Sunday night, please. It was rough. There was so much tension, so much confusion. You could tell they left their pattern. They left their example that God had given them. And I pray tonight, as we go into this week of renewal, that we would fear what we could become if we lose track of the example. And the example is Christ. He says, if you know consolation, show it. If you know that comfort of love, that unconditional love, show it. If you know what that good communion's like, that sweet communion we have, the Holy Spirit of God, then show it. Be like-minded one to another. If you know what compassion's like, if you know it, show it. And you follow that example. And if you can't follow it, look at what happens if we don't. Things happen through strife and through vainglory. So my prayer as we go into the week of renewal is that we as a church body would start showing a lot of the things we know. Amen? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stop right there. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm 